Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Jenna. Hello. (laughs) How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. I especially love the food in your teeth and that it's on this side, so I get to watch it the whole time. I'm embarrassed. Please leave it. It was my amusement this whole time. And now we have a guest here? What am I going to do? Get your life together, Beth. Kelsey Dassens in the studio in the flesh. Happy to be here. Kels, would you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Of course. I am Kelsey, obviously. I just graduated college in who even knows what month because school stopped in March. And then I think I graduated in May. Got my diploma in June. Moved to Arizona in April, (laughs) Um, but I work full-time with Beth and Jenna as the social media and event manager for Blessed Is She. What a title. What a gal. Truly an honor. What a gift. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Kelsey, you listen to the podcast. I think you're probably the only guest who's actually listened to the podcast. Oh, that might be true. That's not true. It it actually is. Yeah. I was just telling Beth, I'm like, this feels like a big glow up moment for me because when I was at school, I just like go to the gym, sit on the bike and just be like sobbing, listening to the (laughs) gathering place. They're like, oh, she's crying. She's just listening to a podcast. She's fine. Just leave her alone. (laughs) Kelsey, what is your all time favorite gathering place episode? Wow, no pressure. A Blooming Heart with Father John Burns. That's probably my all-time fave. Does he know that it's your favorite? I mean, I've posted about it on stories. I've like commented in the Facebook groups. <laughs> wow. I've told Beth like every week for the last two months. I think he does. He's probably listening to this episode. So <laughs> shout out to Father John Burns, <laughs> the Gathering Place MVP. Kelsey, I feel like you have a lot of favorite saints. Why do you say that? Well, Faustina is your girl. JP2 is your guy. Well, Jude. Fulton, Jude. Time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's we a got lot. a pretty big team going. Pierre Giorgio. How could yeah. I forget Pierre? But I don't know. They just kind of like pop up. And then once you like get to know them, I'm like, well, I can't like not like you. I definitely mm-hmm. have an A team and a B team. <laughs> there He's are not- some saints that are like, I'm always talking to them, asking for their intercession. There are saints that I love. Don't talk to them as much. Yeah, just a great team. I want to know who's on the B team. I don't know. Forgive me, Lord. (laughs) St. Therese is probably on the B team. I've like prayed novenas to her. She she comes through. I just have a lot of questions (laughs) that I'm not going to get answers to until eternity. Until eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Others like Teresa of Avila. I would love to love her, but she kind of intimidates me. So she's probably on the B team. Maybe it's just like the Teresa's. You don't like mother? I love Mother Teresa. Okay, that's it on the B team? Just the Teresa's. (laughs) Not Mother Teresa. Yeah. Just the two girls. Jenna, who's on your B team? Everyone. (laughs) No one's on the A team. Come on, no one. No. You're praying a novena right now. No. That lasted a day. You prayed one novena one time and you got a miracle. Thank you, Jude. St. Jude. St. Jude. He is the A team. Yeah. He's the coach of the A team. Yeah. He, we retired his jersey. It's like a legend. <laughs> Beth, who's on your B team? Okay. Therese. Yeah. B team. She wants to be on the A team, but no. 
Does she? She's like so little. She doesn't care. She definitely wants to be on the A team. Okay. Yeah. You don't know her like I know her. Wow. <laughs> I think almost everybody's on the A team. Just Therese is the only Poor one Therese. on the B team. I'm so sorry. How are you here right now? Well, it's funny because I remember as I was preparing to graduate, I already had this job lined up. I'm like, bye, everybody. I'm moving to Arizona. Um, and I had a few people ask me, how did you get this job? Do you have any tips? It seems like you're like doing exactly what you want to do. And I'm like, honestly, you should probably just start praying because it seems like that's what worked for me. January of my junior year of college, I spent a good few weeks, this really intense interview process for an internship I was trying to get that would be like all summer and then all year of my senior year of college. It was really prestigious. I went in for like three interviews. It was super intense. And then over Christmas break, found out I didn't get it. I was like, this is horrible. I'm so sad, so upset, so disappointed in myself, put in all this work. And then so I went back to school and randomly applied for an internship with another ministry in Phoenix, completely random, had no connection whatsoever, ended up interviewing there, got the job. And then when they sent me the email offering me the internship, I like pulled up my map found Arizona because no. I was in Michigan. And oh I'm my like, gosh, I love it. I don't even know anybody like in this time zone. How would I even like <laughs> yeah. find a place to go, just go live there for three months? It's really hot. And, you know, I went and did a holy hour and was just like, Jesus, if you want this to happen, you're just going to have to make it work. And then the next day I get an email from somebody at the job or the internship I was doing she was like, hi, I know this person named Jenna Gizar who's offering a room with her and her family if you want to stay there for the summer. So I was like, oh, Jenna, I think I know her from this Instagram account I follow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I emailed Jenna, ended up living at her house, packed up my car, drove out to Arizona for 29 hours, showed up, spent the summer with Jenna, spent lots of time at the pool with Beth, and then... Went back to school, was finishing my senior year. I was just in the drive-thru at some coffee place somewhere, and Jenna called me, and she's like, could you maybe think about if you would want to move to Arizona? Because we have these two job openings that we would like for you to consider, blah, blah, blah. We want you to work here. And I'm like, all right, Lord, make it happen. And he did. So here I am. And since then, we've opened an Etsy shop, and we are down (laughs) one chair. I was just going to say, classic Jesus, classic Jenna Gizar. Oh, yeah. That's how I'd sum up that story. I remember emailing Jenna. I'm like, I'd be happy to get on the phone with you if you want to make sure I'm not a weird person. But she's just like, oh, yeah, please come come to our house. Like, totally cool. Can't wait to see you. And then I show up. I move in. Jenna's like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's 50 people coming over tomorrow for my daughter's confirmation party. Welcome to Arizona. What a ride, Kelsey. Seriously. It's insane. But it's crazy looking back. It seems like there are like a lot of big steps. Accepting this internship in Arizona, finding a place to live, packing up my car, moving out here, not knowing anybody. But I just remember feeling like the Lord just made it so easy. He made it easy the first time. It was probably more difficult the second time. But it was just such a confirmation that this is what I was supposed to be doing. I tend to think that that's how things are with the Lord. Totally. That's my experience as well. 
it was never like that with anything else. I remember when I was trying to decide where to go to college, nothing was like so clear. Mm. It was just kind of like I had to step out and then he provided the grace. But this, it felt like he was just so close the whole time. So praise God. Do you think yeah. that's because your relationship with the Lord had deepened? Definitely, definitely. So you're probably a bit more keen in your discernment as well. Mm-hmm. And you probably trusted the Lord more. So by this time you have experience and you can be like, okay, Lord, you take care of it. Yeah. Whereas if the same doors would have opened, you know, however many years prior, you would have been like, ah, I don't know. Should I? Yeah. And like I would have prayed a St. Tres Novena and asked <laughs> for a specific color rose <laughs> and then been really distraught and confused because I didn't know how to discern. Oh my gosh. I'm still working through the trauma of a, a St. Tres Novena gone hazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I have this friend, Julie, who I talk about all the time, mm-hmm. who lives in Ireland. And I've talked to her about like my Saint Novena angst. And she was like, very lovingly, she was like, Beth, you know, the saints are like committed to doing God's will. We're not going to fast track the plan by like going through the saints. They're just helping to bring about God's will, right? We have our own agenda. And we're like, maybe if I talk to this guy, he'll get things moving. But they're like, no, we're just all doing what we've always been doing. We're just keeping to the plan. So I was thinking about that as you talked about that first holy hour and you didn't know where to live coming out for this internship. And you were like, well, Lord, take care of it. I can just imagine that the Lord was like, (laughs) you have no idea. Oh, yeah. How crazy. Yeah. That this summer internship would turn into a job and a cross-country move. For sure. He's just providing an abundance. Yeah. Which it's funny because I remember talking to you maybe last week about how, you know, I personally tend to be really sentimental about things and I can look back on something and be like, wow, that was really good. Maybe I didn't appreciate it to the fullest extent or I didn't know how good I had it or just, you know, miss something that I no longer have. When really, if I look back far enough, I can see in my life the reality that God's always had a plan. And I know that sounds cliche, but I'm not missing out on his plan. And as much as I would try to, you know, set like at least the next three things, like this is what I want. I'd love to have a clear vision. He's just kind of showing me, hey, listen, I have a vision for your life and it's better than you dreamed. Mm. If I let you think of it, you'd probably be disappointed. Man, that's so true. I think way too small about my own life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The Lord's a dreamer. Yes. Has that been your experience with the Lord, Jenna, that you like have a plan and the Lord just upends it? No? I don't like to make plans. Well, <laughs> I like to fly by the seat of my pants. No kidding. Hence me letting a complete stranger stay in my home. Yeah. LOL. Yeah, it was such a joy, Kelsey, to just meet you that summer and to be with you. And you are an amazing person to live with. I highly recommend it for anyone looking for a new roommate. Kelsey Dawson's. Kelsey's not looking, but you can get on the wait list. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And yeah, just to get to know your heart and your love of the Lord is just so different too than any other person that I've experienced and talked to. And I just think it's beautiful to have new friendships that show us different aspects of the Lord and how people love him and experience him in relationship. And would you just share a bit about like your journey of coming to know him? Yeah, for sure. Well, I met the Lord when I was just a little teenager, probably like 14. I'm a middle child, and I'm probably the most definition middle child you (laughs) would ever meet. 
all of my siblings love them so much. They are all very like, athletically inclined. They're super talented. <laughs> They're all tall, skinny, dark hair. Like, I don't even really look like them. But yeah, I just grew up kind of feeling like a little bit out of place as a middle child. But I kind of embraced that. I was always like trying to be different. I had a bit of an attitude. Are you like a rebel, Kel? I no. You seem like a rule follower. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm not a rebel by any means. I mean, when I was in high school, the different thing for me to do was go to my church's prayer meetings. And I was the only kid there. (laughs) Everybody else was like 60 and older. (laughs) I was ahead of my time. People always told me that I was very mature for my age, which I kind of just felt like I was boring. (laughs) They're like, Like oh, you're very mature. I don't really know. An old soul. I don't spend a lot of time trying to find myself as a child because there's a lot going on there. (laughs) So anyways, I like had these feelings as I was growing up. Didn't really know who I was. I remember one time I worked at this job. My first job was at an ice cream shop and somebody came in and they were like, oh, are you one of the Dassons girls? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you Megan or Molly? Those are my sister's names. I'm, I'm like, I'm actually their younger sister. They're like, oh my gosh, I never knew there was another girl in the family. What sports do you play? Why have I not heard of you? Wow. And I just remember like, that has stuck with me for a really long time because yeah. um, it just kind of sums up, you know, like how I felt as a child, kind of in the background. And then um, my parents split up. We, I grew up in a Catholic family, but my parents split up when I was 13 and I kind of felt like that same way, you know, going to church. I'd go, but my parents would be like sitting in separate pews and it was really awkward. Mm. And it was really obvious to everybody there that I was going through some stuff. And, you know, people were like, oh, I don't know if I really want to hang out with her. She goes to a public school. Her parents are split up. There's just a lot going on. I bleached my hair. (laughs) But anyways, it's just kind of added to this feeling of not belonging. Mm. I didn't know where I belonged. Was it with my mom? Was it with my dad? Was it at church? Was it at school? Um, it wasn't on any team that I was on. I didn't really know where I fit in. And then so I went to this conference. I think it was my freshman year of high school. And, you know, I heard some like great speakers, different perspectives that I'd never heard before, really just introducing the love of the Lord. And then when it came time for like, Eucharistic adoration, which everybody had told me was the best, and I'd gone to adoration before. But I remember seeing Jesus be processed around the room. And as he like got closer to me, I just, I felt seen for the first time in my life. And I can't really like explain the feeling. I didn't know where I belonged, but I knew that I was within his gaze. And so there wasn't any profound words or talk that really like changed me, but it just touched my heart forever that I was seen and known in his eyes. And so that just kind of carried me throughout the rest of high school, throughout college, to where I am now, just staying in his gaze, staying close to his heart, being affirmed more in my identity as his daughter than anything else. Because he doesn't really care about what sports team I'm on or what other accomplishments I might have. He just wanted me to be his daughter all along. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Of course. I've been thinking a lot lately about my own experience of growing up. And although we don't have the same details, Mm -hmm. I I can relate to a lot of the things that you shared about feeling lonely and not sure where you belonged and trying to find that belonging in the church, but ultimately only finding it in Jesus. I think it's easy for me to look back on those memories with a lot of 
like sadness. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pain in my past, in my childhood as well. And yet when I look back with the Lord, I can see how deliberate those Mm -hmm. wounds were to bring about something really beautiful in my personality, in my ministry, in the way that I connect with people and see people. Those wounds ultimately are being healed and redeemed still with the Lord, but I can even see how the Lord is using those wounds to heal other people's wounds. Yeah. Even you just being so vulnerable with your own story, someone else is listening who says like, I went back and forth every single week between my parents' house and I still don't feel like I have a home and I'm in my 30s, you know? Yeah. I know the Lord uses our story, the details of our story, the particular lies that accompanied those stories to bring about healing Mm -hmm. for other people. It's so crazy what you said. I've noticed in my life, you know, since then, since I really started to know the Lord, that the enemy, he's been playing by the same book my whole life. It's always been a violation of my identity. That's where he like tries to creep in. It's either, you know, somebody saying something to me that's not true, or I don't know, any type of heartbreak that causes me to like question who am I? Is how this person feels about me a reflection of who I am? Mm -hmm. Is what this person says about me a reflection of who I am? Is somebody's view of me a reflection of who I am? Is my talent a reflection of who I am? And he's always trying to give us an interpretation, Mm -hmm. a false, marred interpretation. Oh, well, that means this. He's trying to translate all of these things. And we're naturally looking for context and meaning, which is what's so beautiful about being human is that we do have like a heart and a capacity and an intellect to see a greater picture. But the enemy, you're right, is like feeding us the same narrative our whole life. What do you do with that? Well, it's been a process. I mean, it still is. There are definitely times where I like start to believe these lies. You know, you get in the habit and then I will see the fruit of insecurity in my life. Either I'm super irritable, not happy, I'm angry, and I have to come back and realize this is not the seed that God has sown in my life. And so practically speaking, I mean, when I do think about these things or like I'm tempted to give into this, I just keep saying, Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that I'm worthy of your love that you want to love me, that you're not forced, that you're not measuring if I'm worth it. I believe that you loved me when I met you when I was 14 and you love me now when I'm 22 and you're going to love me when I'm 82 and for the rest of eternity. But it's just, it's a work in progress. Totally. Yeah. I was just telling Beth, I was reading the gospel of Mark chapter eight, when Jesus heals the blind man with his spit Mm. and how he does it the first time. He says, can you see? And the blind man says, yeah. What I would deem him as saying, like, it's kind of hazy, right? Mm -hmm. I see trees walking around and then Jesus does it again. And I think there's so much to our identity. There's so much to our story. He heals a part of us or Mm -hmm. restores a part of us. And we can see it a little bit clearer, right? We can see, I see like trees walking around. And then he keeps on healing, He keeps on restoring. He keeps on speaking truth to all of the lies that we're trying to like unbury ourselves from, you know, Mm -hmm. he's constantly in pursuit of us having a clear vision of who we are in his eyes, becoming fully the humans, the women that he created us to be. And I just think it's so incredible that he doesn't leave. It's not a Mm -hmm. one-time thing when you're 14 and 
you know, for the first time, having the clarity of vision of seeing who you were in the Lord's eyes, but it's a constant pursuit of your heart, a constant reminding us every single moment who we are to Him. It makes me think of Beth actually set me up with a spiritual director when I first got here. And I was actually sharing with him some of, you know, the story of how I came to know the Lord. And he talked about the hemorrhaging woman. And when she meets Jesus, she reaches out and touches his cloak. And the moment she touches his cloak, she's healed. Jesus doesn't have to do anything. She's encountered the Lord and she's healed in that moment. But Jesus and his character refuses to have a relationship of mere utility, of just being a healer. He wants to be a friend. He wants to be a father. He wants to encounter this woman and walk with her. So that's why he turns around. That's why he speaks to her. That's why he embraces her. And that's kind of how I see it in my own life, too. He can and he has healed things. He has changed my life. But he's not checking out after that. He just wants to be in relationship. He wants to heal me so I can see more clearly who he is. I feel like my prayer has taken this interesting turn lately. I've spent so many years pursuing God's heart and like wanting to know who he is. And, you know, there have been obstacles to truly seeing who he is for who he is. My lens has been blurred or off or misinformed. I've spent a lot of my time in prayer trying to break those things off Mm -hmm. and like truly see who the Lord is. And just for the first time recently, I was praying and I was asking the Lord, would you help me to know my own heart? You know, I feel like all of my effort in prayer has been to like know him, love him. And that is so healing to see him for who he really is. But there's almost as I like put all of my attention on knowing the Lord, I can kind of still stay hidden or guarded. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, okay, I want to open up and show you more and more and more of me. Yeah, let you in deeper and deeper. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, at least for me, I'm always afraid the deeper the Lord goes, the more I let him in, the more I'm like a fraud. But the reality is, no matter how I'm feeling, what I'm doing, it doesn't change my identity like as his daughter. And so really just remembering that he wants to come in and he wants to heal me, but he's not measuring me or evaluating me. My identity has and always will be his daughter. Still thinking about the ice cream shop, you know? (laughs) And I can just see in my mind, because I'm like, Lord, come on, you know? I just see the Lord sitting on the counter, just like hanging out with you as you scoop ice cream and like making you laugh and almost the way a a guy would like come and want to be hanging around you and like get to know you and you're just working. And he's like, no, I'm cool. I'll just hang out here. And like, that's hilarious. Yeah, he just wanted to be with you, you know? Wow. I think we all have moments like that in our past ice cream shop moments, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. totally. and to like go back into those, but to invite the Lord in and to ask, where are you, Jesus? Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? And just spend time with him in the context of that memory, I think could be so healing because Kelsey, you're exactly right. The enemy is always going to go after identity and He is so uncreative. That's not just true for you. That's true for all of us. He's always after identity. He was after identity in the desert with Jesus, if you are the son of God. He will always go for that, who you are, your worth, your value. So I wonder if if you know, if you remember a tender place like that, where identity was called into question, if you'd be so brave and so vulnerable to go back imaginatively into that memory and invite the Lord 
because those memories are continuing to define us. We could recall them really fairly easily. So let's ask the Lord to give us his vision. Let's ask the Lord to look upon us in that moment and to give us a new narrative. Amen. Kels, it's been a dream. So would you mind closing us in prayer? Would love to. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for the gift of our lives, the story that you're uniquely writing for each one of us. Thank you for being with us in every moment, in the heartache and the rejoicing and the triumphs and the low points. Lord, you're always there. You always see us through. Thank you for your heart and your constant revelation in our lives, Lord. Every gift that you bring, that's a testament to your love. Lord, we just praise you and thank you, even if we can't see the gift for what it is, even if we feel pain or sadness over certain moments in our life, Lord, we just believe that you're there, you're with us, and we ask to see your face in those moments. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done and what you're doing. We love you. We praise you and we thank you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, host mom. <laughs> Kelsey is in charge of Blessed Issues Etsy shop, and mm-hmm. she's creating all of the embroidered t-shirts one could possibly want. This is an exclusive line, only available on Etsy. Yeah, you can't find them on our website, blessedissue.net, but they're on Etsy. The best. We've got Pierre Giorgio. We've got a phone case. Mugs. We do have mugs. Custom Hats. jewelry. If you're looking to get a custom Kelsey Dassons embroidered t-shirt, head over to Etsy.com slash Blessed Is She Shop. And if there's something you want to see in our Etsy shop, just let us know. Info at Blessed Is She.net. You got it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.